Tonight is uh, an annual rhythm that we have as a community where we do something we call Justice and Mercy Weekend, where we take a specific Sunday out of our schedule every year to focus on what does it look like for Abby, for God's justice and mercy to reign in our world. And how do we partner into that? This is where we hone in on the call for us as believers to care for orphans and vulnerable children. Now, here's the reality. There are tons of people both inside and outside of the church who engage in caring for vulnerable children, which quite frankly, I'm quite thankful for, right? But for those of us who follow after Jesus, who trust in him as our Lord, our Savior, and our teacher, everything changes, Every decision we make, every cause we champion is meant to be done through the lens of gospel implication. Asking questions like, what would Jesus do if he were in my context? What does the gospel call me into? And see, we discover so much about what he calls us into within the scriptures. And one of the resounding themes is the care for the vulnerable. In Micah chapter six, verse eight, it says this. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. You're probably familiar with that passage. Two words in there, justice and talks about loving kindness. Often that's translated into the word mercy where we get the phrase justice and mercy weekend. These realities from early on in the scripture are vital components of what it means to follow the way of our creator designed for us to operate within. That we wouldn't be so inundated in our own lives and in our own story that we forget that there is a world around us with those who are vulnerable and who need care, who need protection. See, the same concept is later played out in the life of the early church. James chapter one, verse 27 says it this way. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. See, following the way of Jesus isn't just a list of mental exercises or proper beliefs, although that is included in this, but it's faith with feet. And as we pursue justice for the vulnerable, as we're demonstrating mercy in the midst of the broken, darkened corners of our world, we put feet on our faith. So why are we as followers of Jesus even called to engage with the vulnerable in the first place? In Galatians chapter four, verse five, it says it this way. It's the context is Paul is writing to the church in Galatia and he is writing to them for them to understand exactly what Jesus has affected in the beauty of the gospel. That he was sent to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So why are we as followers of Jesus called to engage with the vulnerable? Is it because we're really awesome? Is it because we're like totally the heroes of the story? Is it because we have our acts all together all the time? I don't know about you, not me. It's not about that. It's because we are naturally the most vulnerable. And as followers of Jesus, the point is that we're supposed to figure that out. Like that is the the entry point to the gospel narrative, right? That we don't have our act together, that we are not the heroes of the story, that we cannot save ourselves, but God being rich in mercy. 
because he has pursued us. So our need of Jesus is greater than we could possibly fathom. In fact, in the, the years that I have followed after Jesus, I've only become more convinced of how much I need him day by day than I did the day I first believed. See, we were enemies of God, yet now we sit as adopted sons and daughters in the full rights of sonship. Full rights of sonship. And the price of our adoption, the fee, was the life of the Son of God himself. What he did for us. See, Jesus' demonstration of love on the cross is the ultimate display of a parent pursuing the heart of a child that is in a faraway land. So we engage in the life of the vulnerable. We engage with the hurting, the brokenhearted, not because we are meant to live with some sort of sick savior complex, but because it is the only reasonable, rational, and loving thing that we could ever do. We respond in kind. We have been brought into the forever family of God. We were vulnerable, but now we are safe. So we go not because we have figured it all out, but because we are associated with the one who figures everything out and who will bring justice and mercy to reign forever and ever. So that's the gospel why. Let's get to the how. how do, what does this mean? What does this look like? Well, that's why you guys are all here tonight for this experience. One of the, the realities that we uh, didn't uniquely stumble upon is a church but it's the reality that poverty leads to vulnerability and vulnerability leads to exploitation. I'll say that again, because I think this is an important one for us to understand and perceive. Poverty leads to vulnerability and vulnerability leads to exploitation. Now, as a church, we have an analogy that somewhere along the lines we picked up and I think it rings true. And so I'll just paint this verbal picture for you for a moment. Imagine if all of us went on some like epic camping trip and we're like hiking in the woods together. I know and probably not all of you would enjoy such an endeavor, but imagine, I mean, we're with a really cool group of people though, right? So like we go and we're hiking through the forest and we come upon a river and it's a really pretty river, except there's something floating down it. So the closer we get to the river, we begin to notice that there's something in floating down the river and it looks like they've been floating down for a while we realize that they're children floating down the river. So then some of us realize, oh, kids should not just be randomly floating down rivers. So we jump into the river and some of us begin to pull some kids out of the river. Now, some of them already made past us though. They went down river. So some of us get the bright idea, let's go down river as well so we can go and catch as many who have made it beyond where we're at because it's a big endeavor. So downstream. And some of us go, how are these kids getting in the river in the first place? I think we should get there too. So some of us run up to the, front, the top of the river upstream to find out what's causing these kids to end up in the river. Poverty leads to vulnerability. Vulnerability leads to exploitation. See, the upstream reality is how we as a church have felt called into, into entering into this story is through areas of poverty alleviation. At midstream, that's caring for vulnerable children in a space of adoption and foster care. And downstream, this is engaging in the space of exploitation, which is human trafficking. Tonight, we are focusing in and honing in on vulnerable children midstream. 
There are approximately 143 million children who are orphaned in the world right now. Did your brain just want to like punt that away because you just can't even rationalize what that looks like? 143 million children across the globe. I mean, the reality is that we at Mosaic Church, or if each and every one of us who, who came here tonight representing a different local church, if each of us got everyone in our church to engage in that story, we wouldn't be able to sufficiently provide a home for every child in need, right? So then where we can often go is the need's too great, punt it. <laughs> I don't want to know about it. Like ignorance is bliss. But you see, all of us can do something to help. We can adopt, we can foster, we can advocate, and we can serve. And these are the four spaces you're going to be hearing about tonight. See, in Orange County alone, 50% in the U.S., 50% of foster children come from just 5% of the counties in our country. Isn't that crazy? Orange County is one of those five, is part of that 5%. In 2020, over 1,700 children were placed in foster care. This was removed for the causes of neglect, physical abuse, or substance abuse by either parent. In 2020 alone, over 21,000 maltreatment reports were filed with DCF. Let's hop over to Osceola County, across county lines. Currently, there are over 500, 400 children right now in foster care in Osceola County. Over 500 waiting for placement. In between the two counties, there are over 60 children who right now have rights already terminated and are waiting to find their forever home and be adopted. So tonight, tonight we partner with a wonderful organization called No More and invite some of their leaders and storytellers and partner artists to share with us their passion for caring for the vulnerable. You see, No More is an organization that recognizes the same reality that poverty leads to vulnerability, that vulnerability leads to exploitation. So when they say No More, so if you go to their website, you'll see that they are about three No Mores. No More Poverty, No More Orphans, no more slavery. I think we can also aim into that. So we're going to take some time tonight as our friends from No More are going to invite us into the realities of what it looks and feels like for vulnerable children. Because the reality is, as I was listing off those statistics, these can sound cold. But here's the reality. And if you walk away with nothing other than this tonight, know this. Every number has a face. Every face has a name. And every name has a story. Positions, everyone. From the diaphragm on my cue. There's an entire choir made out of an orphanage in Uganda where the orphans sing like organs. Fluorescent light shoots out of their voices to the point where their hallelujahs are blinding. I never met them, but I did meet Jim. My name is faceless to most, but I answer to Jim. All I know is that I was born in an army base in North Carolina. Mommy and daddy split. Next thing I know, like cargo, I was packaged and shipped to Indiana. A six-month intention turned into some 18 years. Auntie was basically forced to adopt me. Emotional tug-of-war for decades. Anger settled at the bottom of my glass heart like pebbles. 
silhouettes of suicide seduces my senses and suddenly sometimes I find myself competing with not even existing. Thinking that perhaps with casket and cold body, the chances were higher that someone would kiss me or validate my presence or gifting. But the Lord goes gleaning. He plucked me out of a cornfield in Indiana, uses me as cornbread to feed many. There's a dinner table full of misfits that fit right into God's plan. Can somebody say grace? Man. This is just some of my story. And I did meet Leah. My name is faceless to most, but I answered to Leah. I watched daddy overdose on heroin when I was three years old, but remember as though it were earlier today, mommy moved us from Manhattan to Apopka, Florida. To aunts and uncles, I was just known as my crazy sister's daughter. Out of control of the situation, I refrained from conversations. Mommy's questionable lifestyle landed her locked up, leaving me, Leah, like leftover luggage family wasn't prepared to carry. I hated being everybody else's burden. Tried to run away, but got caught because they heard me in the kitchen. Guess I should have used pillowcases instead of plastic bags. I wasn't taken away. I was given to the system. My entire sixth grade year coming home to Great Oaks Village group home, not one soul came to visit this little girl and there were always visitors. I inhaled rejection and exhaled hate, sorrow, and confusion like puffs of cigarettes. It wasn't good for me. You know, the foster care glasses are really cheap and plastic. And with the gap in my teeth, man, how mean they can be to a half-white, half-Latino nobody who needed a friend. Eventually, a family takes me in. Gaining a new father but losing my natural mother in the same breath from a jail cell, staring into her beautiful eyes, now the color of HIV. She has to sign consent papers, releasing responsibility. I watched her go from healthy to a skeleton in the blink of a lifetime, 12 years young, numb, like Novocaine ran through my veins from my brain on down, y'all. I'm still healing. My new daddy fixed computers as a hobby, and my brother was a genius. They spoke to me quite often of Jesus, so I picked up interest in both PCs and the gospel. I currently run and program computer systems at schools for a living. There must be a God who cares about children. This is just some of my story. For the 143 million worldwide left between the cracks of city streets and DCF, listen, keep your head up. There's an elephant in the sky, huge and has a great memory. You are not forgotten. You are remembered and revered on behalf of the 286 million or so parents unprepared. I apologize. I pray all stone hearts among you are broken by a rushing river of love from a family that never runs dry in more ways than one. I wish upon you the blessings that come from being adopted. Years ago, 
baby was born in the most notorious mental institution in upstate New York. In the middle of the night, born to a shackled mother, a nurse found him in the morning still attached to an umbilical. and my last. Well, fill out paperwork. There's a seven-year waiting list in New York for a child. That intern never realizing that there was a plan and they were relying on her lack of experience and ignorance to not ask questions. And two weeks later, that intern, me, became a mom for the first time. The parting words of the social worker were, put clothes on him and feed him. That's all you'll ever do for him. Christopher is married. The father of five children, three of whom are adopted, is getting ready to retire from the Tampa Police Department and most importantly, loves Jesus with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And our adoption journey began. And then there was Isaac and Micah and Amy and Jacob and Cody. This is Cody's story. Born with the highest levels of cocaine and alcohol they had ever registered in a newborn. They didn't expect Cody to live. Born at a healthy six pounds, he went down to two pounds and three ounces with seemingly no will to live. By the time Cody was five, he had multiple diagnoses of fragile X, of autism, ADHD, ODD, and the list went on. In 10th grade, he came to his dad and I and said, I know what I want to be when I graduate. I want to go into the Air Force. How did we tell him? That may not be a possibility. And so we didn't. We said, if that's the story God is writing for you, tell us how we can help. Cody served six years, not only in the Air Force, but special forces assigned to Air Forces One and Two, providing security for then Vice President Mike Pence and First Lady Melania Trump. He's currently pursuing a music career while he works in his trade as a master electrician. Because God is writing his story. And then there was Samuel and Sophie and Sarah and Jamie and TJ and Shadrika and Tiffany and Paul and Analia. We were done. Four of the last children we had adopted were teenagers coming to us out of multiple failed adoptions, and they were hard, and we were old, and we were tired. And God was done because we had done our part, right? But God wasn't done with our story. 
And so almost four years ago, Nayeli, Angel, Jaylene, Evan, and Jaden joined our family as children and their siblings, Brianna, JJ, Haven, and Max joined our family as grandchildren. It's been a hard journey, but we've realized that God is not just writing the story of our children, but he's the author of our story as well, because every number has a face, every face has a name, and every name has a story. Every number has a face, every face has a name, and every name has a story. He was 10 years old, and the next day was costume day at school. So he was so excited. He he laid out his costume at the edge of his bed and turns off the light. He can't sleep. Staring at the ceiling, he lived in one of those split floor plan houses, so his window was kind of at ground level. As he stared at the ceiling, just gazing and waiting for the next day, he began to see it. Red light, and blue light, and back and forth and back and forth. And then he heard banging on the door. And then commotion upstairs, yelling and running. He got scared. And he curled up in his bed not knowing what was going on. And it got quiet just for a moment. And then he heard it. The thud of someone coming down the stairs. And the door swings open. It's his brother. He throws a black trash bag in his face. He says, pack your things. He can't hurt us anymore. Tomorrow's costume day. I can't go. And behind his brother comes an officer. And he says, you can't stay here tonight, son, but we'll take you somewhere safe. So he packed his whole life up in that black trash bag. Slowly made his way up the stairs. Leaning over the railing, he saw his mom crying and his stepfather in handcuffs. And the cop just ushered him out the door into a car. And that would be the last time he would ever live in that small Midwest town. He'd be brought into the big city and out would come a family from their home with smiles on their face. And they would greet him and say, you're safe. Now, fast forward two years, he reunifies with his father who has a new family living in Atlanta, Georgia where he has new brothers and sisters and he makes new friends. And one of his friends, when he was a teenager, invites him to church. And the most amazing thing happened. He met Jesus. Changed his life. I'm that boy. That's my story. I stand here today sharing my story how someone stepped into care. I just think about what Jesus did, how he took 12 ragamuffin people and he turned the world upside down. 
See, I'm not inviting you this, this evening into a happy ending. I'm inviting you into a beautiful mess. In Matthew 25, Jesus explained it like this. He said, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the imprisoned, the hurting, whatever you did for one of these, you did for me. My two favorite words in that scripture are these and mine. Why? Because Jesus made it personal. He didn't say those people over there. He said, my people, my brother, my sister, my kid. And tonight we have the opportunity to follow in the footsteps of Jesus himself and make it personal. Because every number has a face. Every face has a name. Every name has a story. Every story is an opportunity for redemption through you and me. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jamie, Lauren, Sean, Jim, the entire No More team for being a part of this experience tonight. What an honor. So let me say this bluntly. For those of you who follow after Jesus, this isn't about an if, it's about a how. See, this is a yes for us. What James writes, James, James 1, 27, right? This is what pure and undefiled religion looks like. Matthew 25, Jesus talking, explaining the care for the least. Go back further, Micah. Go back further, Genesis. Over and over within the scriptures, we see God's heart for the hurting, for the vulnerable. So it's never about if, it's about how. How do you partner? How do I partner? See, here at Mosaic, um, you have had the opportunity to walk alongside my wife, Allie, and I um, through the story of our son, Asher. Um, he can, he's, oh, he's back there. Okay, cool. Before he wanted to come out and hang out with me on stage, and I told him this would be your one night to do it. So, <laughs> you see, Asher, Asher and his story are so much more than a statistic. When Allie and I first heard about Asher's existence in China, Honestly, I was terrified. I was terrified because I didn't want to surrender my comfort. And I didn't want to see a picture. Because I knew if I see a picture, then it becomes real. Then this, the number, name, face, story. Like that reality becomes very real. And I was afraid. And so Ali showed me a picture. <laughs> and when we... When, when we were envisioning that, I was afraid of all the overwhelming nights, the difficult conversations, the hard moments, the meltdowns, the realities of attachment that would come ahead. And the truth is, some of those Ali and I have had to experience so far, and probably the rest of them we will experience a number of time in the years ahead. 
Now we recently moved to a new house and we were super worried about the move and how it might affect Asher um, because he has moved multiple times through his very young life. And so we didn't, and he had now known this home for almost two years and there was stability there. And so honestly, I was pretty nervous about that. But here's one thing that's been so sweet. Asher knows that he is in his forever family. I can't explain it. And I know that that's not everyone's story and that's okay. But for us, that is, that has been our story that he knows that he is safe in the love of his mommy and daddy, that his imperfect mommy and daddy love him a lot, that we will never give up on him. And that when difficult days arise, which they do, our patience may wane, but our love for him does not. You can literally see the effects of this love in the way that he approaches us now. His safety has increased. And as we moved into the new home, for it to feel honestly like we actually are his home. This is because we push beyond statistics and we move into the realm of story. This isn't about cold numbers. 143 million stories. 143 million image bearers of the Father. 143 image bearers who are alive and are experiencing difficulty and trauma in a myriad of ways. See, Asher is a part of our story here at Mosaic and he is not a number. And either it's Donnie or Trey or Lily or John, John, Jaden or a host of the other children who have entered into forever families as part of the greater Mosaic community. Now, Mosaic is not the end all be all of anything. We are just one little piece of the church of Orlando of the church of Jesus. So let's expand this. I mean, imagine if, imagine if each of you here tonight who belong to another local church in this area caught God's vision for caring for the vulnerable and championed this at your home church. Imagine that. We're trying to recruit you to be part of Mosaic. No, go be where you're at and take this vision with you, the care for the vulnerable. I mean, imagine if every single one of us here tonight boldly prayed a prayer that you better be bold to pray. God, how do you want me to respond? The question is not an if question. It's a how question because the answer to the if question is already yes. So we can enter in through adoption, foster care, advocacy, and service. Adoption and foster care. Remember those numbers, over 2,000 vulnerable children waiting placement in safe foster settings. Over 100 children locally whose rights have been terminated and are simply waiting placement with their forever family. Is God calling you into those stories? Those aren't just numbers. Those are stories. Is he calling you into a journey of adoption or foster care? And I mean, I can't speak on the foster care front. I can only speak from my limited experience with our adoption story. It's tough. And it's beautiful. It's not easy, but it is worth it. Advocacy and service. There are so many wonderful ways that you can wrap around families who have already entered into journeys of foster care and adoption. 
I, I can tell you for Ali and I, um, for those of you who know our story and the insanity of our adoption story in China, we ended up getting stuck there for two months. And while we were stuck there for two months at, at the beginning of COVID, uh, and so as we were sitting in, in Shanghai, trying to figure out all of these realities that kept us there, our wraparound community, our care community cared for us desperately and deeply. They kept in constant contact, constantly praying for us, constantly caring about us, constantly checking in on us. They even like would every once in a while, somebody would just Venmo me cash. And uh, it can really transfer that to Chinese you want exactly, but close enough. And, um, and then we get home, we fly home and our house was completely baby-proofed and we didn't do it. Our community came in and took care of all of that. We have no clue. In fact, now that we moved into a new home, I have no clue how to baby-proof a house. (laughs) Don't know if that's a pro or a con, but it is a reality. And then they offered babysitting and meals for days. It was incredible. They have been so vital to our family. And I know that this is not always the case and it's not even usually the case for fostering and adopting families, but it can be. It can be if we step into those spaces and serve and advocate in that way. So there are so many ways that you can serve and advocate for others. Each of us has been given a certain amount of influence in our spheres of influence. And the question is, how do we steward that influence? How will you use it? So there are two ways for you to embark into your next step. And here's what I would love for you to do for everyone here. Take out your phone. Even if you're not actually gonna listen to my directions beyond this point, just take out your phone. It makes me feel good. Just kidding. Actually scan the QR code. There's gonna be a QR code right up here. Pull out your phone, scan this QR code. Um, If the QR code doesn't work for some reason, there's a piece of paper on your seats and it has the same information. And here's what this QR code is all about. It's simply an interest form. There's not a commitment to all of a sudden you're going to be tricked and then you're going to be like knee deep in the paperwork for adoption or foster care or whatever. It's not like that. It is like you're going to get some interest. You're going to receive information. You're going to be able to ask your questions. You're going to be able to find out what does this look like for me? Where are you at? And if you already are involved in one of these spaces, whether it is adoption, fostering, advocacy, or serving, we would still love for you to fill out that form um, and then simply show how you are doing that. And that is helpful for us as a community, just to kind of engage and understand our level of engagement as a community. And by the way, this isn't just for people who call Mosaic Church home either. This is for all of us. And if you are, if you did come here tonight to get more info, we have people from such wonderful organizations who are going to be here tonight who would love to connect with you in the back before you take off. Don't miss the chance to get info on what it means for you to take your next step. For adoption, there are, oh my goodness, these organizations, like all these organizations are MVP organizations, Nightlight, Nightlight is wonderful. Um, finally home. Both of those booths, would they, the volunteers there would love to chat with you about um, adoption. Fostering, Embrace Families and Save Families are both wonderful organizations. We would love to have that conversation with you. If you are looking to advocate or to serve, Guardian Adelitum Partners, Families Count, Embrace Family, Jobs Partnership, Har- Harbor Hope, 
all of those organizations are here and would love to have a conversation with you. And I speak specifically to the vast majority of those who typically call the Disney campus home. If you want to step in, but like the call to take a kid into your home is just not a reality for you right now. There's no guilt or shame in any of this. We totally understand. But as you've heard, this the need involves so much more than simply those spaces. Although those are vitally important spaces, you can step in and make a difference wherever you are at right now with whatever your level of bandwidth is right now. And we would love to have you step into care communities at Mosaic where we can support adoptive and foster families. Because right now there is a list of adoptive and foster families within Mosaic Church alone who desperately would desire a care community. We can be a part of that reality. Doing things like praying for a family, babysitting, providing meals from time to time. And we can also step in as advocates for children in care. So take time tonight to connect. Take advantage of this opportunity. And by the way, a quick plug to all of you who are cast members at Walt Disney World, specifically full-timers. Disney offers an adoption reimbursement program that literally can take care of the vast amount of a standard domestic or international adoption cost. Isn't that insane? It's so, so cool. It's like second to none. It is my favorite thing about the Walt Disney Company. This was huge for our family. My wife is still, or at the time was a full-time cast member still. See, here's what's so cool about that story. God provided, Disney wrote the check. It was so cool. I love it. (laughs) So check out all that information out on the hub. All right. So we're going to go ahead and put the QR code up and we'll kind of leave it up for a while. So anybody else who's not had a chance to scan and take on that form, feel free to, and you're going to get some more information from our partners. Now, for those of you who are visiting, one final thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for caring enough to be here tonight. It means the world to all of us who call Mosaic Church home. And you know what? I truly believe it means a lot to our Heavenly Father that we would take the time to come together. A couple of quick things though for those who do call Mosaic Home. And if you're just visiting, you're more than welcome to any of these things. But just so you know, things that are coming up this upcoming week, um, we are having a wonderful world of trivia. It's going to be here at the Disney campus. It's going to be located outside um, for Tuesday's event. Um, so just dress appropriately and warmly for that. Um, and it's going to be a great time to just connect with other individuals in our community, as well as test your trivia on some um, secretive topics that have not yet been disclosed so nobody can cheat. Um, as well, next week, next Tuesday, we are going to be having our Bible study. Bible study happens in our community every other week. We are being journeying through the book of Acts. It's been such a wonderful space to connect in our community. Um, And it is our gateway into discipleship here at the Disney campus, simply put. So we'd love for any and all of you to be present at either of those things coming up. I want to thank you guys for being a part of our gathering tonight. Go be blessed and have some great conversations out there. Have a good night, everyone.